0: Welcome to the 2 o'clock session of the North Carolina Court of Appeals. This afternoon we have one case for argument, um, and it is 21-329. My understanding is there is an appeal and a cross-appeal, and my understanding is counsel has agreed as to how they're going to do this with respect to how they're dividing up the time with respect to this To my right today is Judge Hampson. To my left is Judge Carpenter. We will be your panel, and we will hear from the appellant. And you may feel free to remove your mask while arguing if you'd like.
1: May it please the court. And if I may uh, reserve five minutes for rebuttal. Your Honors, we are here today to show this panel why the City of Charlotte had the legal right and the authority to to charge developers and others capacity fees when when those developers or others requested to be connected to the City of Charlotte's water and sewer system. The city complied with North Carolina General Statute 160A-314, which is the enabling statute. They complied with the enabling statute at all relevant times because the city of Charlotte, unlike many other municipalities in North Carolina, charges these capacity fees for furnishing water and sewer services and using these fees to help pay down existing debt that, that was incurred in expanding and developing the sewer and water system within the city of Charlotte so that it could meet the growth that the city had, as did many other municipalities and many other areas of the state. They did this so that they could make sure there was capacity for water and more importantly for sewer. So that not only did you get water to your your new condominium or your new house, but you were able to flush the toilet and that water was treated properly and that the city had capacity to do that. And at all times relevant to this case, when any of the class action plaintiffs or anyone else requested water and sewer services, there was availability for those services.
0: Now, Mr. Flanagan, the – Plaintiffs would say that capacity and impact are interchangeable and are the same thing, and that when our Supreme Court said in the Quality Built Homes versus Carthage case that you can't charge an impact fee, that you therefore lose because what you're charging and calling capacity is an impact fee, and They would, I suspect, point to Kidd versus Greenville as their support for that. Can you explain to us how a capacity and an impact fee are not the same thing? And haven't we already said that it is? Yes, sir.
1: So the court in in Quality versus Carthage, I'm going to call it Carthage, if you will. Um, The Supreme Court ruled that Carthage was in violation of 168-314 because the fees they were charging were not. were were not contemporaneous with the service that they were providing. In fact, in Carthage, they couldn't even provide service. So they were charging fees, call them impact fees, call them capacity fees, whatever they're called. The Supreme Court said that they could not uh, uh, impose those, they could not charge those fees for a number of reasons. And all of those reasons, and I'll I'll point out to you uh, in, in a few minutes, are different and the manner in which the Carthage and, and Greenville, for the matter, in the Kidd case, charged those fees is different than the way the city of Charlotte charged them. And in addition, the city of Charlotte used the fees, the capacity fees that they charged and received to pay down existing debt, not to set aside for future use or future expansion. So the court in Carthage, the Supreme Court in Carthage, uh, well, let me let me talk to you about the facts of Carthage just for a second. So in Carthage, they didn't have adequate um water and sewer system, they didn't have the capacity for the new developments and they were charging these capacity fees and Not as a condition or a precondition on issuing either the final plat for the development or building permit or some other developmental permit in Carthage So, so when they charge those fees as precondition, the the developer was not actually receiving any service at the time. That was for – the the fees were for a future service that may or may not ever occur. And the the facts in Carthage and, and the Supreme Court was very clear that that is a violation of the statute because those are services to be provided, not services which are being provided or contemporaneously being provided. In Carthage, again, that money was not used to pay down debt or to pay for infrastructure that was already in the ground or in the town. It was to pay for potentially future services, future services which, frankly, as at the time of Carthage occurred, had not even been built, and future services for which the developer who paid the fee may not ever see.
2: Now, and... and, and Going to, to, to Charlotte's capacity fee, that fee is still charged, as I understand it, prior to the actual construction of the, of the connections.
1: So, th- that's correct, Judge, uh, Judge Hampton. So, the, the procedure for fees being paid in Charlotte is this. When a developer... first of all there's no requirement that a developer pay any capacity fee until they want a connection until they actually are ready to have the connection that's different than carthage and so when the developer is ready to have the actual connection for whatever reason he wants the water to his property he pays he makes an application and he pays the capacity fee he also pays a tap fee and that tap fee is used to pay for the actual lateral connection um, that goes from the city 's main water line to the lot or to the unit or to the building, whatever it may be, so those pay, those are paid essentially at the same time when the developer wants water and sewer connection and only then and as soon as that application and that fee is paid and this and the developer wants the connection, the city begins the process of getting that connection to the developer they within twenty four hours they create. Uh, in their programs and their procedures they create tickets they have to they go get the permits in order to connect uh, you know the lateral line in there in order to get the connection there they uh, issue they, they find a contractor to do it they schedule that contractor and they go through the process of getting that connection done now Carthage the Court in Carthage said that tap fees are permissible And tap fees in Charlotte not in Carthage, not in Greenville. TAP fees and, and uh, capacity fees paid at the same time. The capacity fee is to assure that there's capacity in the system. And again, this is mostly sewer, although it's, it's for both water and sewer, but that there's capacity. And in every single case, in every single plaintiff's case, there was capacity, and they paid the fee when they wanted the connection. So they the, the, the other aspect of it, um, is that the, the fee that's paid, again, is is used to pay down debt. And here's why. So Charlotte ha- is an enterprise fund. It's different than just a general fund for the city of Charlotte. An enterprise fund was set up years ago for Charlotte Water and, and other as- – uh, the airport has, has an enterprise fund, for example. But Charlotte Water is an enterprise fund. And an enterprise fund can only get its funds from fees. They don't – They can't tax, and they don't get any portion of property tax. They don't get money from the city fund. They get money from fees, or they borrow it and pay down the debt through fees. And that's exactly what the city of Charlotte did years ago. They borrowed money they issued bonds, and they um, hundreds of millions of dollars in bonds so that sewer plants can be built, the infrastructure can be put in the ground, and, of course, debt is incurred. And the record will show that back in 1996 there was a debt indenture, which is essentially an agreement within the bond documents that says how the the, the bond will be paid off, how the interest, and, and it dictates dictates how the city of the, the Charlotte Water, in this case, the Enterprise Fund can use the fees to pay off the debt or for other things. And in the record is is not only an affidavit from the finance director Teresa Smith. But the bond uh, indenture documents, and what they show is that the first thing that needs to be paid is expenses. So that's operating expenses, salaries, and equipment, things of that nature. Next is interest and principal, and it goes on down and and names a number of other things that have to be paid through the fees. Now, what it doesn't list, and what they can't do with that money, is pay is set aside for future use. What they do for future use is they get bonds they get money they get loan money and they use the fees that they collect including capacity fees to pay down that debt interestingly also in the record and also in miss smith's affidavit is the amount of capacity fees collected in the years that are relevant here which is the fiscal year 16 17 and 18 and In fiscal year 16, the amount of capacity fees collected was were 19 million. The debt payment, the debt service, was 145 million. In fiscal year 17, it was they collected 24 million in capacity fees, and the debt service was 153 million. And in fiscal year 18, they collected 28 million in capacity fees, and the debt service was 151 million. So the debt service that. The city of charlotte is paying every single year is well in excess six times in excess roughly of for the capacity fees that they are receiving so they obviously they're making that up through user fees and other fees and the fees that they collect um, uh, on a monthly basis so while you can't and, and there is no way to account a dollar for dollar where a dollar comes in the door and where it's spent and Teresa Smith, and there's no question about this, says that's not standard accounting practice for municipalities. Standard accounting practice, and and as the the debt indentures require, that the capacity fees go into the operating fund for Charlotte Water, not to the city, but to the operating fund for Charlotte Water, and that out of that operating fund are paid what the bonds require. They don't have a choice, and that's how the city of Charlotte has been able to. Make sure there's capacity for sewer and water so that all of the development that has occurred over the last number of years can connect. The city, it, the, we're essentially encouraging the development, unlike some other counties and cities that don't have the capacity and you can't um, get the development. Charlotte has been able to do that.
3: couple of questions for you. Yes, sir. Uh, you have a tap fee and a sewer. You have a tap fee for supply and a tap fee for sewer, right? Yes, Okay. Yes, sir. So would the City of Charlotte grant a tap for sewer and or water supply if capacity was non-existent at the time?
1: No, they, they wouldn't be able to. Right. And so because if sewer and water, if the capacity is not available, you can't connect. So, and, and you know, there's rules and regulations. There's environmental rules and regulations and other rules that dictate – the amount of capacity that you have to have in the system at all times—it's a minimum—and and Charlotte has always had that. There's there's nothing in the record that would say otherwise.
3: So the the capacity fees that are collected go to offset the debt service, which basically preserves funds in the general fund to be used for other purposes.
1: Yes, sir. And so so in the operating fund, the general fund, if you will, uh, uh, the enterprise fund, the the um, the f- f- fees that are collected pay for salary for Charlotte water folks they pay for equipment and things of that nature also services a debt because the amount of cap, uh, capacity fees that, that they collect doesn't come close to being able to ser- service the debt and so so you know that's the, again one of the number of differences between Carthage and Greenville the I want to point out a couple of things. Um, City of Charlotte also you'll see and has been briefed has what's called a capacity assurance program and a capacity assurance program is something that developers or others can apply for and They don't pay for it and they can receive Assurance that there will be capacity for whatever their development is for 12 to 24 months And at the end of 24 months if they haven't built it yet, they can um, apply again And it's a permit essentially that's issue so the developers can do that if they want to there's no fee associated with it and that also assures that they have capacity and then when they're ready to hook up whether that's a year or two whatever it is when they're ready to get that lateral connected they pay the capacity fee because now they're using the capacity that's been reserved for them So, Carthage and Kidd, and Kidd obviously following the the Carthage um, uh, uh, rules and what the the Supreme Court set out, are different from Charlotte because, again, when Greenville – excuse me, when the developers in Greenville or the developers in Carthage paid that capacity fee, they got nothing contemporaneously with it. They got nothing. They got sort of a promise that someday – if they need it, they might be able to cook up and get and get sewer and water, but they may never get it. I, I think it's analogous to this. So in Charlotte, Charlotte is like this. If you, Judge Carpenter, want to go on a trip to Florida on March 1st and you want to fly there, you contact American Airlines or you go online and you make a reservation. Right? You look and see, are there flights available to Florida during the times that I want to go um, and on the date I want to go? And there are. And so you make a reservation, and you pay for the plane ticket. You're a customer of American Airlines. You've made a reservation. You've paid for that flight. And what has American Airlines done? They've immediately provided you with service. They processed your, your, your reservation and, and took your money. They've already had the airplane available, they had the fuel, and they're making sure that that's all available for that March 1st trip. They're making sure there's a flight crew available. There's making sure that there's pilots available. There's making sure that you can get from the airport across the runway to the plane. They've provided a service immediately for you, and you're promised, in most cases, you're promised that that flight and that seat will be available for you to fly to Florida. And come back if you wish
3: and if it's not they pay you a premium to <laughs> defer right
1: that is true <laughs> that is true or they just bump you but that's exactly what it's analogous to what happened here in in charlotte the developer wants the service they pay they apply for the service they pay for the service and the city immediately goes in and provides that service now plaintiffs argue well it takes four to six weeks okay it's not you ha- it, this is not an instantaneous thing. You can't just flip a switch, especially with the sophistication and the complications of having to do what they're doing. It's not like the cable company, that the cable is already connected there and they can press a button on a computer and miraculously you have, you have cable. It's not like that. So four to six weeks, there's, there's nothing in the record that would indicate that that is un- unusual or unreasonable. It can be shorter. And, in fact, if a developer wants it to be shorter, there's provisions in the City of Charlotte's procedures
0: to do that. They have to pay more for that. Is that correct?
1: Um, Well, or they can do it themselves under certain circumstances. Carthage is like that fly-by-night airline that you call and you make a reservation and you pay your money and that flight may or may not, they might not have an airplane yet, or they might not uh, fly that day, might not have a flight crew, might not have fuel. And when that March 1st date comes and you're ready to fly, and they say, you know, we can't get you there, and you say, well, when can you get me there? They say, not really sure. Maybe never. And by then, it might be three years, and you might not want to go to Florida anymore. So that's Carthage. That's not Charlotte. So Charlotte for years and years has been charging these fees in this manner. They hired a rate consultant, they've always they've had a rate consultant which calculates those. And in fact, the rate consultant that was calculating these fees is the same rate consultant that they have now, who's, who essentially wrote the manual, and he he and, and the way they calculate calculate those fees was something called the buy-in method. And the reason the only reason I'm saying that is because as you may know in 2017 the legislature changed this and allowed all local governments to charge capacity fees they're now called system development fees if they hire a qualified rate consultant and they follow one of a number of numerated methods and one of those methods is the buy-in method and that's exactly what Charlotte does now and that's what they were doing before
2: but a lot of a lot of that sort of seems to go more to the to the reasonableness aspect of this. You know, your your appeal, at least, is focused more on on the authority to do that, which is sort of where the, the airline analogy breaks down because in sort of our, you know, broadly speaking, Dillon's Rule State, you know, an airline doesn't have to have statutory authority to That's to sure. go about that process. Yes, and yes, so I th- I think the, and, and sort of circling back to, to Judge Arrowood's question, the you know, how do we, where do you specifically draw the legal authority from the statute and particularly then in light of, of uh, uh, Carthage and, and Greenville? I mean, you know, like specifically, how do we, if, if we were to write this opinion in your favor, how would we navigate sure. that authority?
1: So 168-314 allows for and enables municipalities to establish and revise rates and fees for the use of, or the services furnished by any public enterprise. So that statute allows for this to happen. And that's exactly what Charlotte was doing. They were, they, they have an ordinance, every year they set these rates, it's, they have a public hearing about it, you can come and argue and say it's bad or good or what have you, and they pass this capacity fee in this case. And that is, capacity fee is for services furnished, not to be furnished. And that's the distinction, and that's what Carthage, and that's what the Supreme Court said in Carthage, is in Carthage, those weren't services furnished. Those are services to be furnished. They're not getting anything. Charlotte, they're getting exactly what they want when they want it.
3: How is that different than the fee that they're paying for the tap?
1: So the tap
3: How is the tap fee and capacity fee different? It looks like a double tax for
1: the same function. I understand your <clears throat> question, Joe Carpenter. So the tap fee is simply to pay the cost of the lateral line being connected, the construction cost, to pay the contractor to go out there to pay for the line itself and, and whatever, whatever they do, whatever they use to, to do it. So but it's just for that cost.
3: And the tap fee is the same for everyone that may want a one-inch line for supply. Right? That's correct. And if you get a bigger line, the TAP fees more.
1: Correct. As, as is the capacity mm-hmm. fee. OK. And, and again, the Supreme Court in Carthage said TAP fees are fine. And the, so they're paid at the same time. You're getting the service you're not getting in the future. So I think that's that, that's the big difference. And that's why.
3: The impact fees vary from developer to developer, though. Those, those change, right? they're not they're not static like the tap fees are static forever no no no. The,
1: the capacity fee is is it, it can change depending on the size of the pipe because a larger pipe is obviously using more capacity right but it doesn't change per developer it's 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 the it's the, the rate could change each year it might change from 2016 to 2017 there's a rate schedule also in the record um, so that rate schedule has it's $1,000 for a, you know a one-inch pipe. It's $2,000 for a ten-inch pipe, whatever. And so that that's the thing that can change. So there, there's no arbitrary um, tax or arbitrary fee that the you know the, the processor is uh, uh, is deciding on what developer has to pay what. So the fees the same. And again, it's re, it's really we're we're kind of talking about the same thing. The difference is that the tap fee is. The difference between tap and capacity is the tap fee is only to pay for those construction costs. The capacity fee is to pay for all the stuff that Charlotte put in the ground, the the wastewater treatment plant, the clean water uh, uh, treatment, um, the the main lines, the pump stations, all the things that enables people in Charlotte to get clean potable water and flush the toilet and have that go away and be processed in environmentally sound
2: way I, I, I want to shift gears just briefly before you run into your rebuttal time and and I would ask you to uh, to address sort of the appellate jurisdictional issues in this case. obviously it's an interlocutory appeal. everybody understands that, but um, my, my question is sort of twofold: Number one, how is this a, a valid rule fifty four B certification, given that it was a uh, you know a sixty a 60A amendment somewhere down the line, and then b separately. How do you articulate uh, your substantial right argument? Yes,
1: sir. So first, a Judge Archie, the trial court judge, did uh, certify it. Um, and she did that in her order. Number two, it affects. In, us, in and in the Second amended order. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. She did, and that was at the request of both parties. No, and nobody. Remember, both parties agree on this that it, that, that this is it's a proper to be before the before the court. But more importantly. This clearly affects a substantial right. We're talking about in excess of $71 million. But that has not
2: been determined yet. We, well, don't, we don't have an a, a, a actual figure of damage. We can anticipate that. We can
1: that is true, anticipate that. we know how much. We do, and is in the record, is how much capacity fees were paid during the relevant fiscal years. That, so we know that. And so what, Judge, what's our the purpose team?
2: of the referee?
1: Well, Judge Archie's Archie's ruling was that those fees be refunded at 6% interest, and that interest is compounded from the time the fees are paid. It's a substantial amount of money. It affects a substantial right. And also, these are really almost – they're essentially two separate actions. You've got one, the question is, did the city of Charlotte have the authority to to charge these capacity fees? That is what Judge Archie determined. The second issue is, okay, after 2017, we know the legislation allows this as long as you do certain things, and that's the second part, which is actually now it's, it's been designated as a 2.1 case, um, and that's the second part, and that's different because in the, the and I'm, I'm running out of time here, but the, in, in the, the second half of it, and we kind of call it bucket one and bucket two, but in the second half of it, the question is, are the fees reasonable? Are the fees that the rate consultant has recommended to the City of Charlotte reasonable and does this does the city is the city complying with statute two separate issues and i've uh, passed my time so if there's no more questions on that i'll sit down thank you
4: May I please the court, my name is Jim DeMay, and along with my co-counsel, I represent the plaintiff appellees. I intend to use the majority of my argument time to address the primary issue, which is the legislative authority issue, and then I'll briefly at the end touch on the alternative argument, which is the reasonableness of the fee issue, which is an issue that this court does not need to reach because the capacity fees were not authorized in the first instance. I want to begin by responding to a couple things. Um, Judge Hampson, you just asked about the appellate jurisdiction issue. Um, the Rule 54B certification, um, because of Rule 60A and, and it's not a clerical amendment, that may not have effect. However, substantial right from a plaintiff standpoint, this case involves fees that were paid from 2015 through 2018. So we're going on about seven years at this point with respect to these fees. If this appeal is interlocutory and we have to wait for the resolution of the other half of the case, it could be as much of a decade before class members can receive relief here. Um, So that would be the plaintiff's standpoint with respect to substantial right, and we don't oppose the city's characterization of their substantial right on their end. And then that aside, of course, this court has authority under Rule 2 and Rule 21 under certiorari. We're here. We've briefed it. it's independent of the other issues, so we would contend that on either of those two grounds, appellate jurisdiction is proper. Um, Judge Arrowhead, you asked off the top about the distinction between impact and capacity fees. and Are they the same? Well, we don't need to look any further than kit construction, and I'm reading from kit construction right here.
0: This Well, says, I've read Kid construction, and I know what it says, and I also don't see any indication in there other than what Judge Brooks said is that he – interchange them there, and I've also read the Carthage case, and I don't see where Justice Newby says anything about capacity fees anywhere in that case. Well. Am I correct that he never uses that word anywhere in that case, as I recall?
4: That's correct, Judge. And So the thing is, these fees that are charged to new development as a condition of service, they're called different names in different towns. They they could be called impact fees in one town. They could be called capacity fees. They could be called capital recovery fees. But at the end of the day, they are all growth-related fees that are charged to new development as a mandatory condition of receiving water and sewer service. Quality-built homes fee was called an impact fee. Kid Construction, it was called a capacity fee, and, I mean, to to wit, it was to recover a proportional share of the cost of capital facilities constructed to provide service capacity. So if you want an example of a capacity fee, that's kid Construction. This Court held that the capacity fees in kid Construction were ultra-virus.
0: Now, were the, were the, had the infrastructure been built in kid Construction? Yes, sir. It has?
4: Yes, sir and i mean it, 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 I, I, that's an important point that i want to i want to address because at the outset of opposing counsel's argument the contention is that charlotte is different because in charlotte capacity fees were paid when a property owner requested to be connected to the water and sewer system and we're going back to k construction and i'm reading from k construction right here They were charged at the time of the developer's application for water and sewer service. So Charlotte contends they're different because you have a property owner that's requesting water and sewer service and they say that's different than Carthage. But that's the same as kid construction. And to the extent that there could possibly be any ambiguity about that, Put this so this is from the record in the kid construction case and i'm do, i'm showing this just simply of illustrative purposes to the extent that there's any possible ambiguity about kid construction and the question was asked about the um, capacity fees and the response was capacity fees are actually being charged at the time that you've tapped into the system those are the facts of kid construction and then Additionally, they're asked when were capacity fees collected in the building permitting process and then they're assessed when the person which could be the Builder or homeowner comes in and applies for an application for service and they pay the capacity fee and the tap fee together And then it goes on to say roughly the same time when they come in and make an application for service as late in the pot Process as possible kid construction. I can't be more clear about this kid construction is the same case as this case now I'd like to step back and, and talk sort of more generally about the three buckets of fees that are at issue in this case and these other cases. And that is, excuse me, that is user fees, those are TAP fees, and those are capacity for impact fees. And those are the same three buckets of fees that are discussed in quality built homes as well as kid construction. And I want to frame those against the language of the statute, obviously, which is 168-314. And as we are well aware at this point, that statute provided that municipalities were only authorized to charge fees for the use of or the services furnished. So there has to be a use or a service furnished. Supreme Court in quality build homes also told us that that language is clear and unambiguous so therefore we don't get to broadly construe it. We just look strictly at the strengths the plain language All right, I want to talk about each one of these fees user fees of course Those are the fees that you get each month You get a bill from the city based on your metered consumption Based on the amount of water that you use and you pay a fee for that. There's a service first, right? secondly you have tap fees, and this is an important point because this gets to that four- to six-week issue. When you pay the tap fee, you are paying for the connection. You are paying for that process of getting into the city's queue. If Depending on how far you are from the existing water and sewer lines, there might be some permitting or engineering involved. And then eventually, somewhere down the line, somebody comes out in a city truck, and they provide the labor and materials necessary to, construct, to connect the property. That is the tap fee. That is a service. Now, third, we have these impact or capacity or capital recovery or whatever you want to call these fees, but these are fees that are paid prior to us being connected to the water and sewer system, so we, we, we can't even use it, and as a mandatory condition of us ever being able to use the, the, the water and sewer service at all. It's not for the connection, that's the tap fee, and it's not for the consumption because that's the user fee. and i heard opposing counsel make the analogy about a, a airline and a, a res, you know, reservation on the airline in um, the initial response to that is, judge hampson you recognize well under north carolina law you don't get to charge for a reservation that's number one but number two that is a what they have described is not a capacity fee that is a prepaid user fee because you know what american airlines doesn't do they don't charge you for the reservation and then when you board the plane you then have to pay another fee to use the airline because that's what's going on here. There's one fee and that's the user fee and that's for the use of the system. So that analogy just simply doesn't hold water. And I wanna bring that back to Quality Built Homes, all right? This is, this is from the Quality Built Homes decision at page 20. We're talking about these three buckets of fees. Chief Justice Newby says, Carthage has the authority to charge tap fees and to establish water and sewer rates To fund necessary improvements and maintain services to its inhabitants, which is sufficient to address its its expansion needs, user fees and tap fees. We're not challenging those. We're challenging the capacity fee.
2: So, is it is it your position that uh, 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 the capacity fee um, would never be authorized? That it's not just a, a timing issue. It's if 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 the if the fee was. I, I guess put another way, would you concede that if the fee was charged after after the, the the connection had been made and the water was water and sewer were flowing back and forth and the, and the, the allotment's there and it's guaranteed to the development, could the capacity fee be charged then or
4: Well that, so uh, a couple things in response to that. number one. Um, I think if you charge select development or select customers a capacity fee after they're already receiving service, now you're running into the issues that were addressed in the town of Taylorsville versus Modern Cleaners case where you can't charge different fees to different customers. The the rates have to be uniform because at the end of the day, you're receiving the same water and sewer service. I mean, it's the same service for everybody, same water, same sewer treatment. So that's number one. Um, And number two, uh, you know, that that sort of touches on there's – there's two different things going on with respect to these fees and why they're not for any contemporaneous use. Um, We're talking primarily about the timing because that's, that's true here. I mean, they're, they're charged as a mandatory condition of us receiving service and we're not receiving any service at the time. But then the other piece is this future discretionary spending and, and growth piece. And, you know, to answer your question, um, judge Hampson, the fees that the city of Charlotte charging these capacity fees, and, and this touches on the te- debt service as well, that they, they are not for any, they're they not charged for debt service or, or things of that nature relating to the existing, um, existing capacity. And I want to illustrate why. It goes back to what they charge for the user rates. And this is from their own, these are from the city's own ordinances, okay? This is ordinance 23-126 for water, and the, the user rate is based on the amount necessary to meet the annual interest payable on the debt incurred for construction of the water and sewer system, the amount necessary for the amortization of the debt, and the amount necessary for repairs, for prior protection, maintenance, and operation of the system. And then there's analogous ordinance for sewer, which is... Um, Ordinance 23-41. So we've heard these contentions from the city about, oh, the capacity fee is for um, to pay down debt associated with existing capacity. That's simply not the case. That is paid for through the user fee, which we also have to pay once we're using water and sewer system. They've talked about the bond indenture, and the bond indenture, it's at Record Exhibit um, 1479. The bond indenture doesn't say anything about using Capacity fees as opposed to any other sort of revenue from this from the city such as user fees or tap fees It's just a standard bond indenture document that says all the revenues of the city are pledged For the bond um, the, there, There's nothing particular about capacity fees with that bond indenture. That's that's um, A misleading statement by the city and you can look at the bond indenture document yourself Now, I want to go back to quality-built homes, and one of the most important things, I think, about these cases is the fact that there was at least 16 different local governments that sought and obtained special authority from the General Assembly to be able to charge these impact or capacity fees. And and Chief Justice Newby wrote in quality-built homes that in 1982, in the Supreme Court's decision in Bissett versus Town of Spring Hope, that the... um, that the Supreme Court warned that cities likely lack the power to charge for services to be furnished, or as the the Court wrote in that case, for new service not yet provided. And a number of cities, I just mentioned there was at least 16, and these authorized the same fees that we're talking about here, impact or capacity fees. Charlotte failed to seek and obtain that special authority.
0: Now, I have a policy question here. Um, Your clients and all the clients uh, are developers, and they pass these fees on to their customers when they buy a home. Is that correct? It's included in – what you have to pay is included in the price you set for your development in your homes.
4: I think it depends on the the nature of the relationship between the, the builder and then the ultimate buyer, whether it's a cost-plus contract or something else. But – well, I, I'm sorry. I may be anticipating your question, so I'm sorry. Go on, Judge.
0: And so now you're asking for those fees back, and those and those homeowners are now, according to you, should be paying more money for use going forward in order to pay for this capacity. Is that is that basically your client's position,
4: Judge? first thing I'll mention is there is a statute Um, it was 168 363 Um, it just got moved into 160 D and I don't have the exact statute and that's because there let me let me put it this way there is from an economic standpoint or a policy standpoint who gets these back right I mean it could be the person who owned the farm who the developer bought it from who presumably sold the farm for less because the developer was gonna have to pay these fees or it could be the first homeowner, or it could be the second homeowner, or it could be, I mean, you you could go on in an endless debate with respect to the economics of the issue. The General Assembly enacted a statute, like I said, it was 160A, 363. It's since been moved into 160D. That specifically said that if there is an unlawful development fee, like we're dealing with here, it goes back to the person who paid the fee. So that that is a policy question that has already been addressed in black and white statutory text by the General Assembly. Um,
0: so in other words, your client gets it back. You don't have to reimburse it to anyone else. Your clients get them back.
4: Well, if a if for example, a homeowner had a a contract with a builder that it was specifically perhaps a cost plus contract that dealt with that, would there be recourse there? I don't know. It would depend on the terms. But the statute provides who gets this fee back. And in this case, That is the party that paid the fee because again, you could go through this endless exercise of the economics of the situation I'd like to um, We've talked about quality built homes. Um, I would like to focus on kid construction and I'd like to really go back and Illustrate that this case is the same case Again, both cases involve capacity fees both cases involve capacity fees that are paid at the time of an application for connection i've already said that the city states in their brief that kid construction was charged before service was requested i've already shown you that that's not the case kid was also paid as part of a service connection fee together with the tap fee that's the same thing that's here the service connection and the tap fee and then finally with respect to the, the purpose of both fees the kid fees are collected in an effort to recover a proportional share of the cost of capital facilities constructed to provide service capacity for new development. The Charlotte capacity fees are to pay for a portion of the capital costs associated with providing capacity to serve new growth. They're the same fees. The city, I didn't I didn't hear this today, but the city makes a contention in their brief about a, a processing delay and and apparently I I think the contention as I understand it is that because there's a supposed delay between when the capacity fees are paid and when they are processed um, that that somehow makes them lawful that that simply is not correct the city's own affidavit that's in the record at page 132 the manager of the Charlotte water tap team says that the city processes the fees immediately upon receipt of the application and it's 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 it, it all happens at the same time you apply for service and then you pay it for the capacity fee. There's,
2: there's no delay whatsoever. I've addressed the. Well, wouldn't that make it then more put it more in line of of being you know services furnished or services rendered right then if there if there is if if you contend there's no delay at all. I mean, doesn't that doesn't that sort of cure the timing issue? Because I think you know part there is the, this element here of you know it, 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 the fees paid. You know, there's some there's some lag and delay before you actually receive the water because of construction and that sort of thing. So, but but if it's your contention that there is no lag, there is no delay, it's instantaneous. The fees paid, you're allocated the water, then then how is how is that not?
4: Furnished? What what I, excuse me? What I, what I meant was in terms of the processing, there is there is no delay. Now there's this four to six week process that we've already talked about, but again, the important thing with respect to the services with the delay those are paid for through the tap fee the tap fee is what is paid for the connection the capacity fee is not paid for any service that's associated with or without the, the delay um, one other thing I want to mention about uh, we've heard about uh, about capacity um, and space in the existing infrastructure, and I've already told you how that's the, that's the same as KID. That's the same as quality-built homes too. And If you look at, it, and I'm going to the record because we've heard these statements about KID and quality-built homes that are simply not correct. I, I heard a statement today that quality-built homes in Carthage, the the utility wasn't able to provide service. The plaintiff in quality-built homes actually paid the fees at the time of the building permit when, when service was readily available to them. Um, And in Carthage, in the record, it provides that impact fees are charged because new development uh, uses up current water and sewer capacity. The capacity was at issue in the part of the homes. So again, I'm saying the same things probably, but this is just simply the same case. Now, I would like to switch gears and discuss the alternative argument with respect to the reasonableness of the fees and this again is an issue that this court does not need to reach um, because the fees were ultra virus in the first instance but if you were to rule that the fees were authorized by statute the fees are also unlawful for the additional reason that they grossly overcharge new development for any sort of proportional growth related cost and we um, i'll rely on my briefs for the majority of this argument but we go through this at length and the The city doesn't dispute what we've said about the reasonableness of the fees. They make no argument whatsoever to say that these fees were fair, that these fees were properly calculated. They say two things. One, they say that we didn't properly allege it, and then two, they rely on quorum versus University of North Carolina. With respect to the first issue, I don't know how else we could have alleged it better than we allege in the complaint, and this is at record page 30, that the... Capacity fees are unlawful because they lack a required reasonable relationship. That's number one. With respect to the quorum argument, what the court is aware of, of, quorum dealt with a situation where, um, or quorum stands for the the proposition that you can't have a state constitutional claim if you have an adequate remedy at law. Um, Here with respect to the reasonableness of the fees or the amount of the fees. If they were authorized by statute, we don't have any adequate remedy um, and what the city is essentially saying is look, we have authority to charge these fees so we can charge them in any amount and that is simply not the case I'll, I'll does,
2: does, does your does your does your sort of reasonable relation uh, uh, contention does that relate more broadly to to both the the capacity fees prior to the the 2017 legislation and 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 sort of the the ongoing No, it relates, and and,
4: and I think we may, when we alleged it in the complaint, it it may have been sort of all encompassing. But, you know, what the statute, and the the interesting thing about the statute, um, the statute basically um, incorporates a statutory reasonable relationship standard, right? Um, So the reasonable relationship is the statutory argument on the new fees. The reasonable relationship because the statute didn't exist. The reasonable relationship argument that I'm making now relates only to to the old fees. Um, so I understand the question, but so
2: so okay. So, th- so I, I think I am understanding the, the, the difference. One is one is did you comply with the with the statute as it relates to the to the more more recent it, it, <laughs> fees c- collection of the fees? The, 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 the before it's it, this was an unconstitutional exaction basically this is no exactly
4: because um, it, it has no it has no reason you look at the home builders charlotte case which was recently applied by Anderson Creek partners to to water and sewer fees it, there was no reasonable relationship between the amount that was charged and these these growth related costs that the, that the city contends that it's charging these fees for um, so you know it, it, that would be quorum but um, I will reserve, uh, I'd like to reserve two minutes of my time um, for uh, rebuttal on the reasonableness of the fee issue. I'm happy to answer any other questions that the court may have. Thank you.
1: may please the court, uh, recognizing that I have very little time left. I, I, I just want to touch on two things very quickly. I think you hit it on the nail, just just Hampton, when you said, uh, you know, the services are furnished. That's what the city is doing. They're, they're furnishing a service in the form of capacity allotment and then the services that they provide when those um, uh, fees are paid. Also, I just want to, I, I mean, we can all read Kid, but uh, there's another, I mean, Kid versus Greenville on um, the page 395 says, or excuse, excuse me, 799 says, capacity fees are imposed as a precondition to developmental approval, comma, to the issue of building permits and receiving service. It's a precondition to getting a plat or a permit. That's not what we have in Charlotte. Addressing the uh, quorum issue, I, I think I understand that the plaintiff's argument and, and judge, the trial judge agree, agreed with the defendants on this, that, that quorum, precludes any constitutional claim that they may have. And that's what they pled, that these were unconstitutional conditions in violation of their constitutional rights, um, and that is the, the third and fifth claims, and those were dismissed. Uh, that's what we already at the trial level. Quorum clearly, I mean, it's a landmark case that clearly precludes constitutional claim, state constitutional claims, if there's an adequate state remedy. You don't have to prevail on that state remedy. You just have to be able to plead it, get in the courthouse steps. Essentially, if you have immunity, there's an argument you don't uh, you, you don't have a quorum claim, and you might have constitutional claims. But here, they had adequate state remedy. They pled adequate state remedies, and in fact, the trial judge agreed with them that the state remedy obviously was adequate, and that they prevailed. So those claims go away. There's also a recent case um, that. Uh, came out, the Anderson Creek case. I don't think you really need to get to that, but that that also uh, stood for that proposition. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Otherwise, Yes, I do.
0: Could you respond to the argument that uh, Mr. DeMay made that the ordinance in Greenville and the Charlotte ordinance are identical in their language with respect to about recovering a proportional share of the cost of the capital facility? I,
1: I think a couple of things. I think that's a revenue manual but that he was referring to that's the same as, as the Greenville. Um, the, and, and also, Judge Sherwood, I want to take issue with that the indenture documents don't uh, say capacity fees have to go to, to debt. What they, it doesn't say specifically cap, uh, uh, capacity fees. What it does say is all fees. All revenue is exactly what it says all revenue has to be paid in accordance with this agreement here And 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 it's all there and capacity fees are revenue. That's revenue of the enterprise fund That's one of the ways they, they have revenue And so that has to be used and it doesn't say that that revenue can be used for future discretionary spending meaning putting additional infrastructure in, expanding or growth and, and, so, and that sort of thing and that's why the city of Charlotte incurs debt. That's why they've incurred debt over the years to expand the system, to make sure that development can occur in the city going forward. Thank you, Your Honor.
4: Have anything further unless the court has any questions about quorum or the reasonableness of the argument? Thank you,
0: thank you, counsel, for good arguments. may blow score score, all right.
2: This session of the North Carolina Court of Appeals is adjourned.